What's up, Chelsea fans, and welcome back to a new episode of the Romans Empire podcast. I'm joined along with Sam, and all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. So, let's dive right into it. We didn't have a podcast last week. Yeah, we missed you guys, yeah. all of our listeners. Yeah, I, you know, I, I went out of town. Mm-hmm. Um, How was your vacation? It was nice. It was awesome. I got a really nice tan. I binge drank like every single day. So you went from brown to browner. I went nice. from brown to browner. <laughs> Like, like I'm really brown now. Like it's, it's bad. Um, but yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. My liver's destroyed. I gained weight. It's great. Sounds typical, like a typical some, vacation. Sounds like a vacation to me. You know, yeah. like you don't do a vacation right if you don't come back heavier and browner than when you left. I absolutely agree. hundred percent. I think that's just like. That might be the most accurate statement all year. But you know what? There's a lot of things happened while I was gone. Mm-hmm. And I know like I didn't have very good reception. I was at a lake. And Sam was filling me in, but dude, Neymar to PSG, which is yeah, big. Just, that was ridiculous, right? Unbelievable, yeah. I mean, I don't know if we want to talk about that this episode. It's but ju- it just changes the whole like face of soccer. It's exactly. like it's a giant power shift. It doesn't. Right? I don't know how much it affects Chelsea particularly, but in soccer in general, it does change a lot. I think that's a move that we're gonna look back on like thirty or forty years from now in a future transfer window and be like that set the bar for all transfer windows right so i mean that happened community shield which is a big one right and we're going to talk about that um you know a couple big events going on you know we're actually recording this on a thursday and tomorrow the premier league season kicks off which is always nice Mm -hmm. Um, so then we'll we'll dive into that game we'll dive into that but you know I'm just glad that this podcast is back, you know. This podcast is going to be full of fire and fury, if you know what I mean. So, so that Community Shield game, right? Community Shield game, yeah. So, um, Love it. really quick, before we get started, um, on part one, we're going to talk about the Community Shield. Um, we're going to ask some questions to each other. Um, we're going to dive in and analyze the ABBA bullshit or whatever that was. Um, I know Sam is a little bit different of a take than I do. Part two, uh, typical transfer rumors. We're going to dive into everybody that's been linked to the club, um, all 79 of them. And in part three, we're going to talk about our season opener um, when we welcome Burnley to the bridge. So, um, Sam, the Community Shield. So, I actually made it back from my trip in time to watch a Community Shield. (laughs) I literally got home at 2 a.m. and the game was at 6 a.m. in Los Angeles, right? So... Um, got a little bit of sleep in before the got about big game. Four right? hours of sleep. I woke up and I was still hungover from my trip. And I bet you wish now that you kind of slept through the game, huh? I actually fell asleep halfway through the game <laughs> and woke up about fifty-three minutes in. I woke up. I I actually fell asleep before the first half ended, and I woke up and it was about fifty-three or fifty-four minutes in. Mm-hmm. Um, but so anyways, so you saw that first goal at least. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't. I missed it, and I rewound it, and I watched. I wound up watching it. I was a little bit behind everyone, but once again, we faced Arsenal at Wembley. Um, this time for the Community Shield, it was painful, right? Extremely painful. Um, I think it's safe to say that both teams looked super rusty um, until Victor Moses gave us the lead, which is nice. It's a forty-six minute, um, nice little run, um, gets the rebound, pokes it home. It's a good goal, I thought. You know, I thought I thought he timed that perfectly. It just had really that shows that his instinct as a winger is still there. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, he is a natural winger. Yeah. So, um, he just does a he just does a decent job at right wing mm-hmm. back. 
Um, lead wouldn't last though, man. You know that that Pedro challenge because I know that's a pretty hot topic in terms yeah. of you know all the other podcasts I listen to, all the other pundits. They're debating this, and as an as from a non-biased standpoint, that was a red card all day. Yeah, I think. But what pissed me off is how he actually got the red card. Like this is a friendly match. Usually in friendly matches, a tackle goes in like that. Referee goes up to the to the manager and says, "Hey, you got to sub him off, or I'm going to give him a red card." Yeah, and that's usually what happens. He just gave him a straight red, which is, I mean, I could see where fans would be disappointed at that, but at the same time, as Pedro was walking off the field, as pissed off and as angry as I was, it's a red card all day. Yeah, he should, he hundred percent should have known better. Yeah, I mean, he he had no chance of getting the ball. He just should have, you know. Yeah, I mean, watching it back, I mean, I, I don't know what he was thinking. He, yeah. Like the timing was, the ball wasn't even near him. He just. He could have honestly tore his Achilles. It was a very bad tackle, yeah, you know. And then you know you finish the game with you know ten men, and they end up tying the game and losing in penalties. You look at that moment and you think like, wow, is that game you know? Yeah, was that the game changer? I mean, we are up. You know, you can point to those things as excuses or the reasons why we lost, but you know, again, we found ourselves in a situation where we could have won and we didn't end up you know sealing the deal. Should have been a tie. Yeah. Because this bullshit. ABBA penalty nonsense. I, I'm going to go on a little rant here, okay? Like, me and me and Sam discussed this before the podcast started while we were rehearsing, and I just, I personally don't understand the idea of changing or amending the penalty shootout. Like, that is single-handedly the most dramatic event in sports so i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily say i have a different opinion than you because i think we share the same opinion but for me i kind of want to look at to the rationale as to why they even like want to implement it so i looked it up i did a little research and and according to the hindu which you know it's it's an it's an indian newspaper oh i thought you were referring to just one specific hindu no yeah no it's no i wanted to make sure i want to clarify i'm not talking about you know when i say according to the hindu i'm not talking about you know just some of my my indian buddy i call the hindu this is a legitimate newspaper okay anyway according to the hindu uh this trial that they were trying for this game uh it's a part of ifab's fair play initiative the ifab the international football association board um and uefa has endorsed it the fair play initiative so the ifab they felt that the existing penalty shootout system gave the team taking the first team and i'm uh, sorry the team taking the first kick an unfair advantage um i'm gonna read you a quote from a press release that uefa posted on their website um which explains their rationale for implementing the abba penalty shootout system so the hypothesis is that the player taking the second kick in the pair is under greater mental pressure because if the opposition's first <laughs> penalty... Excuse me, sorry. I, 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 that's not in the quote, but it, it should be implied. Because if the opposition's first penalty in the pair has been successful, a miss by the second penalty taker in the pair could mean the immediate loss of the match for his team, especially from the fourth pair of penalties onwards, you know, the eight, seventh and eighth kicks... Um, so that's their rationale. Um, really, what that does is just it takes away from the intensity of the moment. You know, it. Like I go said, ahead, yeah. Like I said, without losing my cool completely over this, because I, I had, I actually had no idea that they were going to do this shootout 
going into the penalties. I thought yeah, it was going to be regular penalties. Uh-huh. I actually rewound it because I saw... I, I thought I missed one too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I thought I missed one. But this is the thing. The penalty shootout is known for being the most dramatic event in sports. If you know of a more dramatic event, tweet at us or email us. I dare you. You cannot find a more dramatic moment in sports than a penalty shootout. Why would you amend that? That is the that's the beauty of the game. And I feel like I feel like taking I, I feel like the IFAB's and, and, and UEFA's stance mm-hmm. on teams having an unfair advantage. I find that to be complete bullshit. And I actually think that they're discounting the value of having a good penalty taker mm-hmm. on the squad. There are some players that just don't miss penalties. Not Courtois <laughs> and not Maratha. But there are just some players that don't miss penalties. There are some players that you want in the game in extra time, specifically in the event of a penalty shootout. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to take away that advantage from a team, fuck off. Like, like I, I think that's – I just think it's stupid. And I think that – I think that UEFA sometimes tries way too hard to amend rules and to change the way the game's played. Like, I know that there was, I don't know if it actually, like, made it to the floor, but I know there was a debate about shortening the length of matches. Oh, yeah, that would be crazy. with all the different stoppages, I think there's only about an hour of football that's actually played. So I think they were thinking of shortening the halves. I think that's total bullshit, too. Keep the game the way it was meant to be played. This is the greatest sport in the world. It's lasted it's not, this long for a reason. It's <laughs> lasted this long for a reason. Exactly. And it's not going to change anytime soon. So fuck off with all your changes. I could care less. Anyways, let's get into the match because I'm getting really irritated. <laughs> well, I just, want, I just want to make a real quick point about that because I understand the rationale. They want to make it more fair. But I want to read like Steven Gerrard said it perfectly. The old format, it, it it's tense. It's exciting. You know, it does change the advantage, you know, if you like that, whatever, but it does, it takes away from the culture, the moment of the game. And that's really like what makes, I mean, can you, that good old slippy G. Yeah. I mean, the, the making, changing the rule because of the pressure of the moment that really, that, that pretty much says that, you know, a guy who can step up in the like, you know, big pressure moment, he's, yeah, like you said, he's invaluable now because. You might not even have a chance to take a penalty. That's the thing. If you're going to have a penalty shootout, how about this? Make your fucking penalty. That's it. That's all you have to do is put the ball in the back of the net, and all the goalie has to do is keep the ball out of the net. Keep it that way. Don't change it. Don't strategize. Don't try to make it less tense. It's perfect the way it is. I like how you said the goalie keeping the ball out of the the net because that's exactly what our goalie did. (laughs) But um, yeah, man, that's a great transition right there. Uh, We're getting better at those. You know what? Thank you. These transitions week after week. Yeah, they're really picking up, man. That (laughs) was a great transition. That was a great. Yeah, I mean, he kept the ball out of the net, but honestly, I felt not to our advantage. I. Really, really think that Courtois thought that he was taking a goal kick because I mean, it, honestly, it seemed that way. Would have been a really nice goal kick. That, yeah, that's that would have like been like a fifty-five yard field goal. Type, yeah, possibly. That, yeah, that would that would probably, yeah, he probably would have been good. I mean, Wembley's a big Sign stadium, up, and that ball hit like the forty or fiftieth row easy. So what's what's but let's more or less you know the the you know the at, the end result of the kick. I'm more concerned about the fact that he took the kick in the first place. Zach, please explain to me Conte's rationale because I'm not understanding it. I mean, supposedly Courtois kills it in training with 
penalties. But here's the thing. It and and for those of you that haven't noticed, I'm I'm very old fashioned in this sense. I don't think goalkeepers or center backs should ever take penalties. I think penalties should be something that's strictly up to your strikers, yeah, or you, midfield or midfielders or your team captains. Um, you say Courtois is a great kicker, you know, I want to take anything away from that, but like when you look at the rest of the people that were on the field at the time, like just and you're forfeiting those guys' chance to take a kick, it's it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I don't care had, how, I mean, we had Marata obviously took his kick. We had Willian. We had Fabregas. You know, mm. we had Azpilicueta. David Luiz is no stranger to taking penalties and yeah. scoring them. It just didn't make sense to me. And, and you, you know, this is... And it's it, funny. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's funny how you say uh, center backs, you don't be center back. But Gary Cahill's was like, you know, one of the... the it, was a, it was a textbook. I mean... He smashed I, it. Yeah, I mean, Murata's got to take notes from him. I mean, he, he... But like I said... Team captains should take penalties, and yeah. Gary Cahill is our team captain. Okay, so that's that's, that's one exception. That's the job. <laughs> that's I mean, an exception. It is an exception <laughs> right. because because that's the job no, of right. a team captain to step up and take responsibility for your team. Beautiful. And and the thing is, a team captain isn't solely selected by a manager. Mm-hmm. The players have to accept that team captain as well. And Cahill is probably the most widely accepted player on that squad outside of maybe Aspilicueta and Conte. Uh-huh. Um, unquestion- he's, he's unquestionable, you know, in terms of his leadership. So I was glad that he came up and, and, and smashed his penalty in. But in terms of the Courtois thing, you know, that was that – was, the second he stepped up, I, j- I knew he was going to miss. Murata, not so much. I think, I think that's – I think we should talk about that more importantly, that Murata didn't make his penalty. Yeah. Because, you know, we were speaking about it earlier – you know, your new signing, big money signing, all eyes are on you. Your teammates still have yet to have faith in you because you've only been with the squad for, you know, a couple couple days, maybe a week. And, you know, to see the ball go in the back of the net is just going to have the greatest impact. You, The fans are going to be on your side, the manager, your teammates. Yeah, the, that's not the, camar- the, the camaraderie in the dressing room. Definitely not the first impression that you really want. No, you know. and and not and it's not taking away from his ability. I'm not going out there and saying he misses penalty. He's total crap. Yeah, I still have not. faith that Maratha is going to be an awesome focal point for our team. But this is one penalty. Yeah. But it does have that strange echo of the Lukaku miss in the Super Cup a couple years ago. Right. And you know, a couple it people does. mentioned it, and it does. It, it has a, that little stench, except. We're not going to be stupid enough to sell him on and try and buy him back, and Manu snatches him up. That's just not going to happen. I actually, I actually think Murata has a higher ceiling than Lukaku too. That's great. So, I, I, I think so too. There's a possibility. Going in on to our thoughts on the match. Yeah. Um. What What was your main takeaways? Because Because I had a couple. So obviously, you got to take this game with a grain of salt because you know it's it's without Hazard, you know it's there's a lot of creativity lost on top. So. You know, you're, you're going to have to accept that. So um, besides that, I think that the decision to play Batshuayi over Murata was, you know, the right move because, you know, he's he's in pretty good. That's agreed. He's in pretty good, uh, you know, form right now. And, it, and according to Conte that Murata is not in good shape. So, yeah. I mean, or out of shape, according to him. But, you know, I th- I think pretty much – you know, we dominated like you know in the early the first half. We looked like the you know the the more dominant team, and th- more really throughout the game. But you know, just a couple of mistakes. It kind of seems like silly red card. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you know, I agree with you to a certain extent, 
the very first note I took while watching that game is that Fabregas cannot play in the midfield too. Alongside Conte. What, I mean, Conte did all his running for him. Yeah. I, I actually thought Conte looked good. I thought he had a decent match. But defensively, and it, and it echoed from that FA Cup loss too, we started Fabregas alongside Conte in that game, and we got slaughtered in the midfield. Yeah. Aaron Ramsey and Granit Xhaka, you know, they basically gave us a new one. And the same exact thing happened in this game. El Nenny and Xhaka were just running right through our midfield, and their front three was running rampant. Whenever they got the ball, they looked threatening. And it was the complete opposite of us. He went mm-hmm. back to the fact that we didn't have Hazard. We lost a lot of creativity with that. Uh-huh. I didn't think Batshuayi had the best of games, but I'm not going to judge him based on one performance in a community shield. I think, honestly, he had a lot of good runs that weren't given looks. He wasn't by, picked out. Yeah, you know, that could honestly have finished up in goals, yeah. but, you know, Pedro wanted was, was you know, being selfish, that deservingly so, without Hazard, he needs to do that stuff. But um, I feel like Pedro tried to be Hazard uh-huh. in that game and tried to, you know... Do a couple fancy dribbles uh-huh. and flicks, and it just none of it was just coming off. You know, Willian looked really good in that game, um, but Willian isn't the most direct player, and that's probably the one um, criticism that a lot of Chelsea fans have about Willian is his his his, his final his, you know his final pass, his final touch, his finish. Yeah, he doesn't have that killer instinct that sometimes Hazard has, but sometimes he lacks. But at least Hazard sucks in two or three defenders and picks out the right ball. Right. And that wasn't something that we were seeing in this match. You know, going back to Fabregas playing alongside Conte, that's a big reason why we didn't have a final ball is because Fabregas was playing way too deep. Most of the match, he was about 25 or 30 yards away from the front three, and that's unacceptable. You have a guy with Fabregas' passing ability, you have to find a way to get him up the field playing close to the striker or the team's best player. Since we didn't have Hazard, he he needed to be playing closer to Pedro and Batshuayi because mm-hmm. those are our two goal scorers in the side. Um, I agree with the decision to play Batshuayi. I, I actually think it was a good call. I will play form over talent any day of the week. I think that you got to ride out a player when he's hot, and Batshuayi, he was hot at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. And going into preseason, he was smashing in goals, getting picking up assists. He looked really good. Um, and, uh, you know... Another thing I noticed, and I don't know if a lot of other Chelsea fans will agree with me, it's kind of controversial. I didn't think Moses and Alonso played well at all. Um, Up until Moses scored, I think you're right. I mean, Moses Moses scored, and that's great. And, you know, you want your players to do that. When they're not playing well, you want them contributing mm-hmm. in another way. And Moses wasn't playing well defensively, wasn't mm-hmm. even attacking that well in that game. But he came up with a goal, and that's great. I thought Alonso looked horrible that game. Yeah. I thought he didn't look fit. He was struggling with the pace of Bellerin, which, you know, any player would, in you know, to be fair to him. But he wasn't whipping in crosses. His touch was a little heavy. I think, you know, we're going to go into transfer rumors in a bit. But, you know, I really think that getting competition for those wingback positions is vital because they're going to have that championship hangover. Yeah. I it's mean, inevitable. Yeah, there's, there's going to be games, you know, there's going to be times during the season where they're not going to be in their best form. And that's where, you know, we're going to need this depth, you know, like you're talking about. But I want to make one quick last point before we move on to transfer windows. I mean, transfer rumors. Uh, I thought, honestly, unbiased opinion, Arsenal actually looked pretty good. Shaka played really well. And really, every like all the top teams in the Premier League this preseason, 
have been in great form. Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City, United, Liverpool, Spurs. You know, I I think that this season, the Premier League is going to be amazing. It's going to be an elite league compared to everyone else by by far. And although it does hurt Chelsea's chance at repeating this next year, I think it makes for a more entertaining, exciting season rather than winning the title, you know, two weeks with two weeks left in the season with only Tottenham. You know, oh, nearby. Oh, be a nail biter. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it's a great feeling to like, you know, just like dominate the league. But I think it's a little bit more satisfying to come out on top of like a really top class league. Cool. So before I ask this next question, I just need you to confirm something with me, okay? Right. Um, are you done kissing Arsenal's ass? I didn't kiss Arsenal's ass. I said everyone was in playing top form. Okay. I just well, said one nice thing about Arsenal. It's all right. Okay. Well. Let's move on to the next question. Yeah, no, I'm st- um, I still fucking hate Arsenal. I don't want good. Yeah, no. Good. Okay, so, um, you know, a lot of debate going around the Community Shield. So, in your opinion, song is it a glorified friendly or is it an, a match that actually matters? I guess if you just like look at what the from actual from your opinion, just just you. I mean, in my opinion, like it, they 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 you know the the essence of the match. It's just you know, the winner of the champ, I mean, of the Premier League title and winner of FA Cup. So it should be important. But the way that, you know, it's run, they don't even have extra time. It They're kind of asking their managers to, you know, like, just play your best players. It doesn't even matter. They're only going to play 90 minutes. Yeah. You know, so, like, if they're not even going to treat it like a real match, like, why should I even treat it? Like, why should I think that it's a real match? That's a good point. It, and that's yeah. exactly how I feel about it. It's a preseason match. Right. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, I would have loved to win. That would have gr- felt great to say, you know, to yeah. kind of get revenge from the FA Cup final on them. But, you know, it's still like... The only thing I'd say to counter that, and like I said, I still think it's a, it's, it's definitely a preseason match. I still think it's a friendly. But it is in Wembley, and it is against mm-hmm. Arsenal. And to be fair to Chelsea and to Conte, he put out a strong side. Wenger, not so much. He didn't risk Alexis, who supposedly had an abdominal injury. I don't know how true that is. He rested Ozil, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the only real big guns that he played, Koscielny didn't play. He played Shaka, who's one of their big guns. He played Lacazette, right? Who, unfortunately, is looking pretty good for them. He looks really good. I'm I'm actually... Shut up. All right, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get into but, transfer rumors. Anyways, anyways yeah. Going, no in, going into part two, yeah, the transfer rumors. So it was it was an interesting week. You know, both Cahill and Conte stated that, you know, they don't think that the squad building is done yet in this transfer window. And they both hinted at the fact that the squad is thin and we need more players. That's no, a real thing. It's really thin, man. It's, it's a shame. You know, I, I hate to say it. I feel like I'm getting flashbacks to two years ago, you know, at the same exact point in time, summer of 2015, you know, right now, so far, seems like a pretty dormant and sluggish transfer windows. I mean, we replaced some players and, you know, but, you know, we're coming off a league title. We're starting off the season with a loss to our cross sign rivals in the community shield in our hometown, you know, and I know we were playing without Hazard, but still. I fear that, you know, if we don't make any moves soon, that history could be repeating itself this upcoming season. And, you know, you know, it's it's a good it's a good shout. You know, we, we, you know, the rest of the board, the board has gone through this. You know, we can't make the same mistake two years after making it. You I'm, know? Just gonna, I'm just I need to get something off my chest. And, you know, maybe uh, maybe somebody someone else feels the same way I do. Maybe they don't. But 
I feel like the board feels more responsible for our recent success than the actual players and managers that we've had in our recent success. Like Emanalo and Marina Granovskaya. Yeah. Like the rest of the board. I, I just They've seen it. They should know better, they right? Should know they better. shouldn't know better. And like like if you're in Conte's position, you could understand his frustration completely. He gave him a list of players. Conte's a manager and he's not a manager that bullshits. He knows exactly what he wants. So he goes out there, he says, Here's a list of players I want. Get them. Please. Do whatever you need to do. Get these players. And they haven't delivered. No. Hasn't happened I, so to far. Say, to say we had a bad transfer window is, I think, false. I actually yeah. think we had a good transfer yeah, window. Yeah, it's, not, it's think, not off. I think the players we brought in, we brought in Bakayoko, who's an upgrade on Matic. We brought in Murata, who's a very, very qualified uh, replacement for Diego Costa. Right. And we brought in Rudiger, who's awesome cover in the back. But the thing is, we didn't upgrade. So... Is it a bad transfer window? No. But is it, is it a productive transfer window? Did we address the things we needed to address? I don't think so. We've there, gotten replacements for players that departed, but we haven't added to the depth of the squad. Well, we don't have new options. Well, thankfully, there's still time to salvage that. You know, there's, Three weeks. Yeah, we still got some time to you know, still make some moves. Um, one of the one of the names that you know is t- coming up a lot, Danny Rose, uh, left wing back out of Tottenham. And that's a recent one. Too. Yeah, you know we really didn't think that there would be any chance that he'd be leaving Tottenham. Well, especially uh, now that Kyle Walker it, left. Yeah, know? I thought there was no chance that he would be leaving. That Tottenham I honestly would let him thought go. it was going to be one of the two. But you know he stated his desire to leave Tottenham in pursuit of the trophies, you know, and winners' medal. Shots fired. Yeah. So um, you know, obviously Chelsea's you know checks those lists those boxes off their list uh you know he was one of the first names on the team sheet last season for Tottenham yeah he's you know Man United and Chelsea are both linked but I think Man United's a little closer to that REA deal uh-huh um so so I think Danny Rose would, would be a yeah. little more realistic would, would, do you think that uh he would be a good fit for us look as much as I hate Tottenham you got to tip their hat to Poch and, and you know the players they have, right? They have some quality footballers on that team. They and built Danny a good Rose team. is one of them. I think he's if, is he an upgrade to Alonso? In terms of the Premier League, I think so. But in terms of the Champions League, I just think Alonso's game and his style is more suited to you know a slower paced game. Danny, you kind of alluded to it earlier that you know that he he needs the competition as well. Yeah, you you don't that want position. that complacency. You don't want Alonso to sit there after the transfer window, and if we don't sign another wing back, you don't want him to sit there and be like, you know, that's my that's my job. That's my and... job. I'm the only wing back on this team, so you know, I'm not. I don't need to compete with anyone. You just don't want players to get lethargic. I'm not saying he has no work rate. You could do. It happens with any sport when there's no depth on a squad. Players get less motivated because there's no competition. There's no risk of them losing their place or losing playing time. Yeah, I but agree. going back to Danny Rose. I mean, what the, what doesn't he have? Right. He already played in a three four three system. He already played with a manager who has a very similar playing style to Conte, which is high energy, high pressing, defensive defense first, very structured, very organized. I think he'll fit Conte's system perfectly. He's fast. He makes good supporting runs, and when it comes down to defending, what you know. Going back to the Alonso thing, when it comes down to defending, I think Danny Rose is a better defender than Alonso. Mm-hmm. Just straight defender. It would have been great if Danny Rose could play on the right side and we can have both of them 
on the wings. Might be able to get away with it for a while. But I think that, you know, that could also be a blessing in disguise because it does give the competition to Marcus yeah, Alonso and, and it improves both of them. Yeah. It's not a knock and, on Alonso. And league. rest as well because we're, we have league and Champions and League Champions as well. League. You, The bottom line is if you're Conte, you understand the frustration because you want different options in different positions. If you want to play defensive, you want to have an option to play more defensive. If you want to play more attacking, you have an option to do that. If you want to play high pressing, you have an option to do that. With Danny Rose, he gives you a different look. It's a little he's a more solid defender than Alonso in terms of 1v1 defending and he's quicker. Mm-hmm. Which will, you know, that that gives us a different option. I really 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 want the club to go after him. I think he'll be an awesome addition to our team and if he stays at Tottenham I'll hate him. But <laughs> in terms of an actual player, I mean, who wouldn't want him? How much do you think we can get him for? Everywhere I'm reading and, you know, all the different media outlets are saying around the $40 million mark, I think that Tottenham's not even going to budge if, yeah, that's if we offer $40 million for two reasons. One, because Kyle Walker, on the opposite side, left for 50 And in my opinion, Kyle Walker isn't half the player that Danny Rose is. And the other thing is Tottenham hasn't brought anyone in, so they don't have a replacement a ready-made replacement. Right. Him. So they're so going to be rebuilding. They're going to be, yeah. I mean, they're going to be back to square one on that left side yeah. and on the right side because Kieran Trippier, you know, he injured himself in the preseason as well. So he's going to be out for an extended period of time. Yeah, there's a, there's a possibility Tottenham might fall off a little bit this year if they lose both. I think they um, will. They didn't add any squad depth and they have the champions. They did look good this, this preseason, but still, you know. I'm sorry. Pancho's, you know, he's, he's good, but. I'm sorry, but Harry Winks. Is not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. This season, um, but let's move on to the next one, huh? Yeah, you talked a little, you know, about him earlier, but you know, he kind of looks more like he's going to Man United. Serge Aurier. Um, it, it, it's reported that that's his preferred destination, and they're you know they're really close to a deal. It would have been really great to have him, you know, because he can play on that right side. And he's a freak. Yeah. Politically, but you know, he does he, he does pose some, you know. Off the off the field issues as well. He's kind of a you know. yeah yeah. Well, see, I, I, and I think that's the reason why the me, all the media outlets are reporting that he's closer to a deal with Man U than coming to London and playing for Chelsea is mm-hmm. because uh, Conte doesn't like dealing with bullshit like that. Look look at the Costa saga. Mm-hmm. He got rid of him. Look at Oscar. I don't want to deal with that either. Yeah, if you're a manager, you don't want to deal with players who could potentially ruin any type of good chemistry you have in the dressing room. And I think that's what Arya is going to do. I would be a total hypocrite if I said I'm glad he's not coming because I actually want – I wouldn't mind having him in the squad. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind that I think Conte could, you know, kind of kick his ass a little bit and, you know, get him in gear and get get him focused on what he's good at. Yeah, fix him up um, straight a little bit. But look, if – man, you got the money and, you know, for $27 million, it's a bargain for a player of that quality, but right. it's also it's also a twenty seven million dollar risk. Yeah, it's a gamble so for sure. I think there's other options that we could explore instead of that, and um, you know, it is what it is. I'm not really too phased by it. Yeah, one of those other options uh, on the right side is uh, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. Um, His name doesn't go away, huh? No, every week we have to talk about him, unfortunately. But Chelsea reportedly they approached Arsenal with a twenty five million uh, pound offer, which they turned down. Chelsea raised it up to $35 million. You think that he's going to go for that price? I still think $35 million in today's transfer market is low for a player like that. Um, 
I think Arsenal could maybe stretch it out and get 40. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you haven't really heard anything about Arsenal willing to part ways with Ox. Uh-huh. And, you know, in the FA Cup final, he started as a wingback. So he has Wenger's trust. Um, but I do think the arrival of Klasinac is going to affect mm-hmm. Oxlade-Chamberlain's role on that team. Now, tell me this. If we do get an, an, an Oxlade-Chamberlain, um, which I wouldn't be too opposed to, it does make me scratch my head a little bit, though, because he's very, very similar to what Victor Moses brings to the table in terms of ability. He's a natural winger. He's yeah, not, he, not, not a he natural was, wing back. He was forced into that because of just the situation just that was here. Yeah, so it's pretty much more of the same. I mean, if if what we've been talking about this whole, you know, throughout this whole entire time of the podcast that, you know, we all understand that Victor Moses is a great player, but um, he's a winger forced into that right wing role that, he, that he's playing well in, but he's not the defender that we, you know, that you really do kind of need in that position. Mm-hmm. So why would you want to get a player who has the same issue? You know, I mean, he, he's young, he's pacey, he's technical, he's versatile, but he's just not the, he's not the defender that he's not a natural we need. Right back. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's going to be the same. They're not going to be complimenting each other. It's going to be the same, you know, yeah. kind of player. And whether, and you know, say the move does go through. It won't go for 35 either. It, it won't go for 35, but I'm just saying if, if a move ever came to fruition for however much, you know, we talked about on the left-hand side how Danny Rose would offer a more solid defensive approach. Yeah, they, com- they complement. Who's more of a crosser and, you know, uh, 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 better in possession. Exactly. They complement each other. Yeah. It gives you options on the left side. On the right side, if we get Ox, you have two players cut from the same cloth, you know, you could flip a coin and you could ask for the same things between both players. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Zach. And for that reason, I... Really do hope that we do not go after him. Just a little side note, though. Um, he can play center mid. Yeah. And he does a job at center mid, to be honest. I know he did it for England. Um, he played a little bit of center mid, and he looked good. Um, he did it for Arsenal. Didn't look half bad. And the nice thing is he, he could play deep, or he could push up and play in a more attacking role. I think there's some other people on this list that fit that kind of mold that you're asking, but to a better effect. and. I think that we we can get into those like uh, like uh, right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Danny Drinkwater <laughs> is not exactly that mold that you're talking about, but he is a center mid that we're looking at. Apparently, Chelsea is very interested in Drinkwater, and he was reportedly keen on moving to the bridge. Um, price range would be around thirty million, so you know pr- probably less than Ox as well. You know he he has that experience playing alongside Conte. They're good buddies. Uh, won title uh, with yeah. him in Leicester yeah, they, City. And they just casually won a title <laughs> as a team that was favored to be last place that season. But yeah. besides that, we'll give Conte a lot more credit though. I mean, for that, but still, you know, he's he's a he's a good long range passer. Uh, has a high footballing IQ. He's not definitely not the high profile signing that you know Chelsea fans really want. Yeah. You know that I really want. But you know, if should we sign him? You know, will will that work? But that's the thing. Chelsea fans are asking for a marquee signing in the midfield. Right. We got that last year with Conte. You're not going to get it two years in a row. Would you not? Would you not call Bakayoko? But I think I, I honestly think Bakayoko was an yeah, awesome not? signing, and I, and I'm not complaining that you know we got. I would make that move 
10 times out of 10 mm-hmm. all day. But, you know, here's, here's where I'm at a little bit of odds. So I'm looking at the positives. Like you said, he has a good passing range. He's disciplined. If you give him a specific set of instructions, you'll execute them. He has good footballing IQ. He's a vet. He's a, he's basically what I'm trying to say is he's a proven veteran in the Premier League. Right, which which is valuable he to could, have on your team. He could come on late in games or fill in for you know injuries here and there, and he's English, which will help a lot too. Going mm-hmm. to that Wednesday night in Stoke, you know he, he he'll come on and he'll do a job. I have no doubt about that. The job, he's yeah, a job player. Where much. yeah, basically he's a yes man. So. Where where I'm at odds is the thirty million dollars or pounds. Here's the thing. If you're gonna go after a player like Danny Drinkwater and you're Chelsea, you have to take into consideration what his role will be coming into the side. So you're gonna go spend thirty million dollars on a veteran, a proven Premier League player, who's not a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. He's quality, and like mm-hmm. I said, he'll do a job. But he won't be in our starting 11. I still think Bakayoko, Fabregas, and Conte are all going to be ahead of him on the depth chart all day, every day. Like, like that's without question. So, you're going to go spend £30 million for a player that's going to be on the periphery doing a similar job to what Nathaniel Chaloba did last year. And we let Nathaniel Chaloba go. For nada. For nothing. For, for literally nothing. Dude, I'm... Okay. I'm still so pissed off about that. It really irks me that we let him walk. But, you know, if we do go out and spend us $30 million on drink water, I'm not going to, you know, be irritated. I'm not going to be mad. I think it's going to be a good signing. I think he'll do a job for us. And I think he's a typical Conte player. He's hardworking and he does a job. But that's where it ends. There's no, there's, it, this move doesn't have any sense of that marquee superstar game changer aspect about it. You know, I think if we make this move, the other Manchester clubs, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, they're all going to look at us and be like, eh, let them have drink water. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why other teams aren't pursuing him is because you know exactly what you're going to get. They're, he's not going to – he doesn't have that potential to hit the next level, which is what other teams are targeting. They're targeting players that could hit that next level, that could be – that could go from a solid B player to a B-plus or an A-minus or even an A. You know right. what I mean? So, I mean, that's where I am. Um, it'll work. You know, he has that chemistry with Conte. Um, and Antonio Conte seems to like him a lot. Mm-hmm. And I have the faith in the manager. You know, if they want to spend $30 million on him and if Conte thinks he'll help, then go for it. Yeah, I think I think he'd be a nice addition. Um, the next player that we're going to talk about, Virgil van Dijk. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he put an official transfer request last week uh, with Southampton. Right now, the two main suitors being Chelsea and Liverpool. Um, reported, reported main suitors because I have a conspiracy about this. <laughs> right. Well, I, right now, I think that it wouldn't – at this point, if we sign a center back, it, it, after signing – bringing Christians, Christensen and Rudiger this year, while also having Aspie, Cahill, David Luiz, um, I think – What's going to happen is that Aspie is going to be, you know, forced to move out to a wing back. Mm-hmm. And so if we get a center back right now, pretty much it seems at this point is if we get a premier center back, we won't go for a wing back. No, or if we go for a wing back, we will, won't go for a center back. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's going to be it's one either, or the other. Exactly. It's one or the other. And it's obvious if we sign another center back, 
Aspie's going to shift out the wing back. Right. He's probably not going to get a snip at center back unless there's an injury. Um, I don't think that this move is realistic for us. Mm-hmm. He's he's voiced his opinion and said that he's really keen on Liverpool. He wants to work with Klopp. And I think that, honestly, Liverpool needs him a little bit more than we do, too. He reeks of a really <laughs> right. player, too. You know, He has all the aspects of a center back that Jurgen Klopp likes. Um, and I think he'll compliment Matip really well, but that's beside the point. Yeah. You know, Southampton's been pushed off of, or Southampton's been put aside by Liverpool because of their advances to Van Dyke before. Um, so they're reluctant to sell him to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have a chance to get him. So I have a conspiracy. Yeah, let's hear it. Manchester City has been really quiet in the transfer window. And right now, their only three center backs is Company, Odomendi, and John Stones. You can't rely on Company. Otamendi's not elite. John Stones isn't there yet. Who knows if he'll get there? They need that elite center back signing. You're right, yeah. I think they'll swoop in and get Virgil van Dyke. Because in the preseason, they're playing a lot of three center backs. They're playing a lot of systems with three center backs and the two wing backs. And you can't play a system like that and sustain it all season long with only three center backs on your depth chart. You're going to need another center back. Yeah, we have five of them. We have five of them. <laughs> we don't need this. I would rather go after – I'd rather take that $60 million and invest in an absolutely elite wing back on either side. I'm on the same page as you. I'd if take that money if, and go all out for Danny Rose. If we're, if we're choosing at this point, like I said, between center back or a wing back, then I'm for sure going for the wing back. I'm I really want happy that. with our center backs. I mean, right. And, and you got to look at it this we way got a too. Lot. We got, we got some youth, too, coming up. We have youth. We have Christensen, who fans are calling out for. And very hypocritical of them to do that because they're also the same fans that want Virgil van Dyke. <laughs> Make up your fucking mind. Right. Pick a player. Stick behind him. Christensen is going to be awesome. He's going to be great for the I'm club. I'm happy with We I'm signed Rudiger, who's an awesome player as well. And he's going to offer a lot. Cahill's proven. David Luiz is proven. We're fine. Everyone needs to relax. We don't need Virgil van Dyke. We'll let him go to another Premier League club. And we'll be fine. Is that good enough? No. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Antonio Condreva. I'm looking. I'm looking at Sam right now. I wish we had a camera. Like, he's just looking at me. Like, dude, stop talking. <laughs> but, like, when, when I like, I I need a vent sometimes. I'm sorry. No, that's cool. So Antonio Condreva's next. Um, Inter Milan winger. Um, again, very similar to what Victor Moses brings. Uh-huh. He's more of an attacking-minded winger as opposed to a defensive-minded. And, winger. But he's also 30 years old. And he's Italiano. Oh yeah, I worked with Conte. He worked with Conte. Conte, in the Euros. Conte you know, yeah, in the Euros, he, Conte played him at the wing-back position anyway. So and that Italian team overachieved, and every player on that team overachieved, right. including Antonio Condreva. So he's a hard worker. I mean, he's he. Again, we I think it's the same. We're gonna, we're gonna have the same discussion that we had with Ox. That um, you know, he's the hard worker. He's, he does, but he's not the defender that we need in that position right now. And I think that we still might go after him, um, but I don't think that he addresses that he's not that signing that we're looking for. Again, um, I, you really, you really seem to be on the same side as me in terms of we need a right back, yeah. not a wing back. Right. Um, we need a natural right back that'll just do a job defensively, but. We have Azpilicueta. You know what I mean? So I do. Okay. The one thing is, like, I, I was always I was on the side of moving him to the wing back. Like, I was really for that because he is – that's what he is naturally. And we have so many other center backs and 
just thinking about it realistically, you'd want all of your best players playing at the same time, you know? Yeah. But we we won the league with him at center back. And I think that he does an amazing don't, job there. Don't change it. Exactly. Yeah. If, if, if it's if not it, broken, don't fix yeah. it. Yeah. And I think that maybe changing that up, because he, he didn't play on the wing at all last year. I think no, maybe no, changing. In, Zuma came, once Zuma came back, you know, sometimes it was rare. Zuma, sometimes he threw on Terry. It'd just be to close out games. But again, it's having that option, yeah. that defensive option to shut up, to shut the game down. I think he, he could he could play at the wing back. But I think that this year and going on for I mean, as long as he's on Chelsea with Conte as his manager, he's going to be a center back. Wow, that's a bold statement. Yeah. I actually think the complete opposite. I, I hope. I, mean, I, think, I, I think that we have a ready-made wing back in Azpilicueta. That would be amazing. And I think either Rudiger or Christensen is going to make the breakthrough into that starting spot on the in, on the right-hand side of the back three. Well, um, another, another wing back that I would love to bring in that these rumors that these rumors literally just came out out of nowhere. Like we've been linked to him before, but they're starting to come back. Um, sorry to cut you off. No, no go ahead, please. I, I actually it's love Jao, it. Jao Cancelo. I think yeah, you sold it a lot better than I could have. That was great. We, you know, like I said, we have been linked with them before. Very vague rumors. There's not a lot of detail. There's no real price tag. But the only thing I have to say about this player is one, I like him a lot. But two, Barcelona was linked to him earlier as well, mm-hmm. before they went out and bought Nelson Semedo. If Barcelona's linked to a player, there's some sort of quality there. Right. Now, But what does it say that they passed on him? <laughs> well, they, I mean, they brought in Nelson Semedo, who's... You're right, yeah. I mean, they're fellow countrymen. You know, they're, they're both from Portugal. I'm only kidding. <laughs> dude, Nelson Semedo is going to be really nice for Barca. But anyways... um. They're still not confirmed. So, Sam, do you believe these links? I don't know what to believe anymore nowadays. <laughs> I, mean, I could, I would. I, it makes sense because we've seen this rumor before. Um, but you know, it, I don't know. At, at the end of the day, until we hear something that's more concrete than this, this is just something fun to talk about. I think this transfer epitomizes, or this transfer rumor epitomizes. Mm-hmm the whole transfer window thus far for Chelsea. Literally not hearing about the player once all summer and then waking up one morning and seeing that we're linked to a player who we were also linked to six months ago mm-hmm. who literally came out of the dead. Yeah. So I don't know. For, that really, to me at this point, doesn't seem like a realistic grab that we're going to get. But right now again it's a more it's a more it's it's very similar to the oxley chamberlain uh-huh. he's he is a more natural defender but he is attacking and you know talking about links to barcelona um a, a barcelona player that recently has been even more strongly linked to chelsea and i have a strong confidence that this uh deal is going to go through Sergio roberto yeah, you know, right. Bookies surely agree as well. Uh, today they changed his odds to join the Blues now to just eight to eleven odds now. I mean, those are some pretty good, bad odds, honestly. But uh, good looking goes. good for Chelsea, yeah. yeah. You know, his vision, his touch for a wing back, it's you know, it's, it's beautiful. And you know, he, the great thing about him is that he's really versatile. He's you know, naturally a center mid. He's, he's a pretty great. He's a, he's a pretty good defender, but you know, converted to a, a winger. I mean a right, uh, sorry, a right back, right wing back on on Barcelona. Right, their right backs are technically right wing backs. Exactly. So, yeah. so that's that's the same thing anyway. 
I think that that's that will be our signing that we're all talking about. That this is going to be the one that we bring in, and he's going to be the difference maker that we need. That's a good shout. You know, right. that's a very under the radar shout. You know, thanks. This is a guy that's he's been in he's he's in Barcelona, so right. he's in he's no one has their name on their backs in Barcelona. No one has this guy's name on their back. But if he was to come to Chelsea, I mean, you're talking about someone that comes from an elite club in pretty damn good league who makes a decent champions run every single year. And last year scored the game winner against PSG in that comeback that we all can't forget, which oddly enough was orchestrated by Neymar. But ironic, huh? Ironic. Yeah. Yeah, But he came up, he also came up, through a little bit through Barcelona's youth, so I yeah, mean, he's it, you know, like you said, there's there's two things that I like about him mostly, and one is his big game experience because he has played in big matches and he's produced, um, and another thing is his versatility. I think we can knock out two birds with one stone if we sign him. Yeah, I think we have the option of playing Aspi as a wing back. We could have the option of playing Roberto as a wing back, Moses as a wing back, or we could even bring Roberto into the midfield if need be. Um, I think that'll be a good addition for us. And like you said, I'd love to bring him in. He's a natural midfielder. He has great passing ability. He has incredible vision. He sees things that other players don't. Maybe it's a Spanish thing. I think it's a recurring thing. Bringing him on, and bringing him on. Let, let's list off all the Spanish players that we'd have. All right, we'd have Sergio Roberto. We would have Aspilicueta. We'd have Morata up top. Alonso, oh. Fabregas, yeah, that's, Pedro. That's six right there. I think that's, yeah, six yeah. out of here. <laughs> and I think it's safe to say if we go after Roberto, he'll be challenging for a starting spot, whether in the midfield or on the right Yeah, more than half of our team is going to be Spanish at one point. I mean, I'm not complaining. <laughs> I love that. I don't think any other that's Chelsea fans are complaining either. Yeah. I mean, we have a very, very close affinity with Spaniards. Right. Um, Do you think there's any names that uh, are missing that should be on this list that we haven't talked about? I think the one name that stands out more than any other one is Steven Nzanzi from Sevilla. I think he is very, very similar to Manny Matic, but he could offer a little bit more in terms of mobility. Um, he has Premier League experience already, and he was did an awesome job shielding the back four in Sevilla last year. A Sevilla team that overachieved for most of the season until they fell off towards the end. Um, but another name that's missing is a striker. Yeah. And no name in particular. I mean, I think Fernando Llorente is like the unanimous one, but just a striker in general. We need backup in that position. It's you know two two strikers on a, in a squad that's competing in three different cup. I would love to bring in Fernando Llorente. I mean, I think it would be great. You know, he led the led the Premier League in header goals last year. Did you know that? Actually, did not know that. Yeah, interesting, interesting facts. I yeah, mean, so bringing him on, especially with the passers that we have on our team, yeah. I think that you know he I wouldn't mean, he wouldn't just be like a role player. We he'd be a very key player. Another Spaniard. Right, probably number seven. But um, in, in other big news, I mean, in terms of the transfer window, so we could wrap this up. Um, Kennedy set for a Newcastle loan spell. Um, good for him. I think he needs to get away from the club a little bit, just so the PR department could relax. Um, and then another one that I'm pretty disappointed about: Lewis Baker is going to play in the championship with uh, Middlesbrough. So, um, two-year loan spell, which again I'm not a fan about. I'll save that rant for another day, though. Yeah. Um, moving on, Sam. It's our first match preview. Ever, I'm ready. Ever. I can't wait. So Chelsea is gonna host Burnley at Stamford Bridge uh-huh. on Saturday. Um, so hopefully we can carry that momentum from last season into this season. 
but it's not going to be easy. No Hazard, no Bakayoko, um, no Victor Moses, um, who's out due to suspension from the FA Cup final. Right. Um, but, you know, Burnley's going to come and they're going to give us a fight. Um, they're going to be fighting to stay in the Premier League. I actually have them being relegated this year, um, but they're going to make a statement. They're going to the home of the champions on the on the second day of the Premier League season, their very first game of the Premier League season. They're going to want to make a statement. Mm-hmm. And not to mention they're playing the Ginger Mourinho. Yeah. So. And why, why do they call him the Ginger, Ginger Mourinho? He literally plays his teams. He literally sets up his teams like Mourinho does. And he's Ginger. Except he's Ginger. Yeah, he's Ginger too. Yeah, he's Ginger. That's yeah. a big one. That's, I think that's one of the main reasons why they call him I think he has an that. edge on Mourinho because he's Ginger. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah, but anyways, um, so they, I, you know, they do look a lot weaker, considerably weaker than last year. They lost Andre Gray, who was uh probably the only player in their in their squad last year who had a goal scoring bone yeah. in his body, and they lost Michael Keane, who was their young up and comer. So, um, what are your predictions for this game? Um, I think that we're gonna keep a clean sheet for sure. I think that's a, that's a lock. Um, they're gonna they're gonna park try to park the bus and. Uh, they, as in Burnley, are going to try to park the bus. You know, we're not going to have to worry so much about them. B- besides, on counterattacks, our defense has to, you know, yeah. be, we, we can't make any mistakes and, you know, like allow any counterattacks. But bearing any of that, I think 2 0 or maybe 3 0 might be, you know, I think that that's probably what my prediction will be. I, I have two zero down. Um, it would be three or four if we had Hazard. Yeah, actually, taking that in consideration, I'll change my prediction to two zero. Yeah, and just because this, um, this really, it's it's, it's going to be a scrappy match as well. It's going to be scrappy, but it's also worrying me because the last time we had a home opener in our uh, title defense, um, it didn't go so we well. Swansea, I think right? we remember that two two. Courtois got hurt. Carniero bullshit. <laughs> That was just a clusterfuck of a season. Then right after that, the whole season but, imploded. It was so great. let's hope that doesn't happen this time no. around. Um, but there's a lot of things to watch for in this game. So I think it, it's – and me and you could agree on this both. I think Rudiger is going to come in as that right center back and Aspie is going to get pushed out the wing back just because we have lack of options at yeah, wing back Victor with Moses Mosley, out. Yeah. Um, I think we should also look at the front three. I mean, first of all, how they do without Hazard? And secondly, is Conte going to play Bacuay, who again is in mm-hmm. form, or Murata? Um, is Murata fit? Is he ready? Um, we knows? saw, you know, we saw from the Community Shield game match that, um, you know, Pedro is trying to take over that role or trying to at least fill in the shoes a little bit of Hazard. Being that and magician. Yeah, you know, you ask how the front three fare without the genius of Hazard. You know, people are going to try to make up for it, but I think that the less that they try, the better off we are yeah. because it's just going to lead to mistakes. And it's just Hazard is that good that there are very few people who can do what he can do. There's a reason why we kept Cesc Fabregas last season, and that's because of games like this where uh-huh. teams are going to sit back and we have to break through their defensive lines. Um, Cesc Fabregas is the guy that could pick out that pass. Yeah. Um, and, and you said, you know, Having Murata or Batshuayi, I mean, it it doesn't make it's not like completely unthinkable to start both of them either. Even you know, you're talking about having a you know having Fabregas, you know, being that guy finding them out. You know, if you want two guys 
on top. I think these two are perfect, like, you know, to be making those runs. I don't – I I honestly don't think that's how we're going to start. But I, I, I think that's I agree an option. You, if if the game is still close going into Eventually, the second half, yeah. I think that's a move Conte makes in maybe the 60th or 70th minute just yeah. to change the shape, give him a different look. I'm really um, looking forward to the match. I think that – Dude, I miss – We really – yeah. I miss it so much. I was waking up early at 3 in the Speak morning. And, yeah. You know, it's it's a lot uh, different following Chelsea in L.A. in Los Angeles. Drinking coffee again. So I, I love wake up it. For the game. I haven't stopped drinking coffee. So, obviously, this fixture is in favor of Chelsea. Um, we're tipped to, to take all three points. I think that's a given. We have a lot of pressure because, again, we have just the, the, the shadow of 2015 – 16 still oh, on man, us, man. Uh, you know, because there you it's going to be hard to live that down. It's going to be in the back of our heads. So hopefully this this doesn't, you know, we, we start off the way that we think that we're going to, you know, start off dominating 2-3-0. Um, if, if they are, then I think it's going to be a great start to hopefully uh, repeat here. You know, I, I know it's our first match preview, but it's really hard to find things to talk about heading into the match. In, in regards to Burnley, because they're such a bland, boring side. You, your first take is that you have them being relegated this year. So really, how yeah. much is there to talk about? I, I actually, I, I have them, um, Huddersfield and Brighton going down. And I think Newcastle is going to stay up. Yeah. And because of one man who has a love-hate relationship, mostly hate, and it's Rafa Benitez. But, um, you know, going back to my prediction for who's going to get relegated, Sam, where, who do you think is going to finish at the top of the league? More importantly, I said earlier that, you know, this is going to be a great season that, you know, the, the teams on top are all in great form. If if you, you know, put a gun to my head, say pick who you think is going to win. I don't know if I could like honestly say Chelsea right now just because Man City is looking really, really dangerous yeah. as well as Man it's United. A, yeah. Um, but I think that a top three finish is pretty is is a lock for Probably this. Where we're gonna be. Yeah, I mean, and I think that there's, but there is definitely the possibility that we finish on top. Yeah. Again, it's gonna be a very competitive season, and I think that you know, so the way confident. that we looked last year, you know that that's one of the best that we've looked in a long time. So if we can keep it up for this upcoming year or improve, then why can't we just why can't we repeat again? So, in a shorter response to this one, Champions League. Uh, not this year. <laughs> not this year. <laughs> like, was that short you know enough? That was very I guess. short. I mean, it's possible. I looking at. So it's not possible. It's possible. possible when you have Lampard and Mikel and old Frank Lampard. And Didier Drogba. And Didier Drogba. And you have Ryan Bertrand playing left winger going to the Allianz. Yeah, we need, we need him back. <sighs> magical night. Anyways, I think Man U is going to win the league. I know my brother is going to be really happy about that because yeah. he's a diehard United fan. And in terms of Champions League, I see us getting out of the group. With in terms of the squad we have right now, I think we get out of the group. Yeah, maybe. But win, I don't think we do much damage. Maybe that. maybe win one in the knockouts. Yeah, one round of the maybe knockout make stages. the sixteen and get knocked out. Um, I would be happy with that though. How about we lighten up the mood a bit? Yeah, with some shenanigans, right? Some shenanigans. So, I have a question for you, Sam. And I, want, and I want you to give me your honest answer. Uh-huh. And whatever viewers are listening, tweet at us at Romans Empire Pod. Email us at Romans Empire Pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Let us know what you think your answers are to these shenanigans questions. But the first one. Song, are you ready? Yeah. Is Sean Dyche really the Ginger Mourinho? Uh-huh. Or is he a combination of Louis C.K. and Heisenberg? 
it has to be the latter. I mean, wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. He is. He's a ginger Mourinho in the sense of his style, but his physical and his his actual self and being. He, he's a combination of the both. I mean, it's it's kind of you have to like. He's a I'm, combination. You know of those my least favorite comedian <laughs> and one of my favorite drug dealers. Of I mean, all time. <laughs> oh, you have a favorite drug dealer. Scar- Scarface is one Scarface of my favorites. Probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've, I just have so many like you know favorites that yeah. I can't pick one. You know. Um, <laughs> next question. Probably my favorite question out of all three of them. Arsene Wenger said that uh, Said Kolasinac is one of those people that doesn't need to hit the gym because he's so strong. Of all people, does Arsene Wenger have any credibility in terms of getting gains at the gym? No, Zach. I think I think you have the answer for this one. My yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty obvious. Okay, what the fuck does that guy know about the gym? Like he's as dense as a fucking chopstick. Like I don't think he's ever lifted a weight a day in his life. It doesn't make any sense that he's like, oh yes, he's uh, the type of guy to not go to the gym. When have you been to the gym? I think Arsene Wenger is that guy who goes to the gym in really short shorts and really high like Target brand crew socks and just walks on the elliptical for twenty minutes with a towel around his neck. I think that's what he is. I think I think I think that you include these questions just so you can go on a rant and talk shit about Arsene Wenger. <laughs> Because honestly, it's a funny question, but it's an excuse to talk. Sh- every time we have shenanigans, I talk shit about Arsenal. But yeah, I think we'll make sure to include one of those every week. For so, you. last question um, for those of you who watched the UEFA Super Cup, Romelu Lukaku had some howlers. One of them being a bad throw, <laughs> literally a foul throw in where the ref had to blow the whistle and say, "Nope, it's going the other way." And Lukaku had the nerve to look at the ref and be like, "Wait, what did I do?" So yeah, my question to you. Who do you think is better at a foul throw-in? Romelu Lukaku or the guy who took off both his shoes and chucked them at George W. Bush? Yeah, because that guy doesn't have very great aim either. <laughs> terrible aim. But, I mean, was is it, it was the bad aim or was it more George Bush kind of dodging? I don't know. It's a- I, think, I think definitely the guy who threw the shoes at George Bush had more inspiration and definitely cared about hitting his target more than Lukaku did. I, I, I couldn't – I mean – when you first asked the question, I mean, I really couldn't think of anything that could have been worse than Lukaku's Lukaku, Lukaku's th- throw. His throwing was literally Lukaku. I, think, <laughs> I mean, but you know, if you, if you really go down to the you know the deep science, the hard science of it, the math, if you take the altitude, uh, that where the you know the throw was taking place and the velocity and the wind taken into consideration, you can obviously. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. Yeah, what I have no idea what the fuck no, you're I, about. I wish I, I was that good at math. Anyways, I mean, wow, what a terrible way to end the podcast. Um, that's the end of it. So um, thank you guys for listening. Um, please, again, we've had a lot of responses uh, on the Chelsea FC subreddit. Again, thank you to those moderators. They've been awesome to us. Yeah, everyone check them out. A lot yeah, of comments, um, a lot of really useful information, a lot of different takes. Um, or tweet at us and email us. Um, again, our Twitter is at Romans Empire Pod, and our email is uh, Romans Empire Pod at gmail.com. So, like we said, if you guys have ideas for shenanigans, if you want us to cover a certain topic, if you want to, co- if you want us to cover a certain team or player, let us know. We we really want to know what you guys think. Again, we, we got love lot, you guys. We got a lot of helpful feedback on Reddit, especially the last couple episodes. Um, shout out to those guys uh, 
who backed who backed us up on Reddit last week. Yeah, I love that. Shout some, out to some, you. Uh, some asshole commented, "Fuck your podcast," and within minutes, we maybe had five or six comments of people cussing him out and accusing him of being an Arsenal supporter. So, <laughs> That's great, and we love that. I would that. do the same and, to an uh, Arsenal supporter too. And, and you know, and and it, also shout out to that one guy who said I listened to it for the first time last week, and I'm going to check you out this week. Why can't more people do that, right? You know Why awesome. can't more people just Spread do that? Word. Anyways, we're <laughs> done self promoting, and we'll see you guys next week. Um, keep the blue flag flying high.